everybody, welcome to this live stream. We're here in just a moment. Congressman Kelly Armstrong is going to be with us. There is some huge, huge breaking news. He's going to be breaking down for us. So it's kind of a perfect time. I know it's Friday afternoon. It's beautiful out, but he'll be joining us here in just a short moment. So if you have questions for him during this live stream, he'll be here to obviously take your questions. Just put them in the comment section. He'll be more than happy to answer them with you. And there's obviously a ton to discuss. So let's bring in Congressman Kelly Armstrong. Congressman Armstrong, it's great to see you. Uh, let's jump right in with this breaking news. Judge decides that yes, Dapple shall continue to remain open. You asked me off air, hey, Chris, did you read the decision? I said, no. And you said, oh my gosh, you need to. So tell us exactly what happened and what's in the decision. Well, in the process of ruling that the injunction will be granted and Dapple gets to stay open while they continue to do yet another environmental review, uh, the judge, uh, I, I don't know a better way to say it, uh, he threw the Corps of Engineers under the bus, then he drove over them, then he drove over them for 31 more pages, and then he said wow. Dapple gets to stay open. So uh, it's a really, uh, when you, I, I've read a lot of legal opinions in my life. It, it, it was a very interesting take on it, but uh, nonetheless, uh, DAPL will remain open while the Corps continues to get their environmental impact statement. So take us inside that a little bit. Hopefully your team will send me a link to this to this uh, opinion. But so what, what do you mean he threw him under the bus and then said, okay, we're gonna keep it open. What do you say specifically? I mean, it's basically, and I think you and I talked about this last time during the last, uh, the status conference ruling, he's like, uh, the answer of we won't know until we know has been frustrating for this judge, which has essentially been the core's answer. Uh, the core has basically said, listen, there's nothing, you know, there's a reason we said it was okay from an environmental analysis standpoint. We know no reason why we wouldn't grant the environmental or wouldn't grant the pipeline when it's an environmental impact statement, which makes sense, right? This is not a green corridor. It's already a brown corridor. I mean, there are other infrastructure projects that go in the same spot, but the judge has been frustrated with the core's take on this. And I, it comes out in the opinion, but all, I mean, Colorful language aside, it's a good ruling for the state of North Dakota. It's obviously great for our economy, and it's the right and just ruling. So, so I was going to say, just to be clear, because I did read a quote where he's like, "Look, a judge can only go as far as the law will take him." So I'm, I'm interpreting you got the sense that he really, really wanted to stop this, but the law just wouldn't allow him to follow the letter of the law because otherwise he could use his lose his judgeship. Correct. Well, yeah, I mean, he's a federal judge. It's pretty hard to get rid of a federal judge. But the reason they become federal judges is they have fidelity to the law. And even, I mean, like I said, colorful commentary aside, he came to the right decision. He does. Uh, I mean, he I, I mean, he he basically says he has no other choice because of the Corps of Engineers in action. God, I'm going to come back to the pipeline conversation in a moment because of Nord Stream, Colonial. But first, obviously, this is a town hall for you to get a chance to interact with your constituents. So a couple of things that are coming up, Congressman, that I have heard about, but not so much as of late. So Amanda says, it's North Dakota Housing Illegals. What is HB 1012, Section 20? So if you can hold that thought, because then we've got also Bob Paulson saying, hey, we've got pretty good evidence. So maybe you know something about this, of illegal immigrants arriving in Dickinson and Minot being flown in with yellow envelopes that have got a court date listed on them. Is there a plan to push back on the Biden administration's actions? So first off, do you know, or because I know Governor Burgum said, hey, we're not going to take illegals. Are they now being flown into North Dakota that you're aware of? Not that I'm aware of, but you got to remember, and I think we've talked about this before, Border Patrol is not a housing agency. So when I went down to the border, one of the things you have, Border Patrol essentially has three, three and a half things they can do. 
They can turn you over for prosecution. They can turn you over for deportation. If you're under the age of 18, they can turn you over to HHS or they can let you go. And because of policies the Biden administration is doing, as in not, not prosecuting people that have not committed a prior felony, and because uh, Homeland, or they're, they're overloaded, and if they can't take any more people for deportation at any given time, there are people being released absolutely all the time. And uh, my, uh, when we were down there, one of my colleagues, Congress, uh, Congresswoman Ashley Hinson from Iowa said this, and she said, we're all border communities. Because once they, I have no doubt that there's some of them here because once they're let go, they, they I mean, they're let go. They're given a court date and said, show up. And that, I mean, and more often than not, it's a deportation order. So continue getting the border under control is important because once they're let go into the interior of the country, uh, they don't all stay in Texas or in Arizona. This is some big news that you're sharing. So you're saying, Chris, there's no doubt that illegals are coming to North Dakota, even though Governor Bergman put out a statement saying, look, we don't want to have the illegals come here. So you're saying the state has got no right to that? Well, wait a second. I mean, I don't know. I have no idea of the formality of it, but I'm just telling you, once they release them, they can go anywhere they want in the country, just like anybody else can. They're left. They're let go. They, they are given a court date and said, you have to appear on X date, but they're not put in detention. They're not tracked. They're not monitored. And like I said, they're just overwhelmed down there because of policies of the Biden administration. All right. So, so Bob, once, once they're released from there, I mean, they can go wherever they can go wherever. What and, and you and I are paying to fly them around the country. Is that true or? There are. I mean, there are people. I don't know where they're going and how they're going. We continue to ask questions. We don't get them either. I mean, the answer is either very well. So how, how does that happen? I mean, how, how can you not get answers as a congressperson? You'd be shocked at how few answers they they give to us as a congressperson when you're dealing with it. I, listen, we've been pressuring them. We were down there. We continue to talk to them. We need them to reinstitute a cross border family reunification. They're not taking it seriously. Uh, they weren't taking it seriously a month ago. They're we're coming into the peak time now, and it continues to be. We have twenty thousand migrants right now, or, or minor minors. That that number is not going down. So is there any way for North Dakota to track illegal immigrants that are coming into the state or is we just sort of at the mercy of the Biden administration? Well, there's two different sides to this. We're going to continue to find out if there's any coordinated effort for that. But on an, on an uncoordinated effort, no, there's no really no method. Once they're let go, it's like being released on personal recognizance. It's like once you once you're released, once you're released from detention, you are you have freedom of movement. So uh, but I mean, ask you this because they're here illegally, and as, as Bob suggested a moment ago, we've got pretty good evidence. They see people with yellow envelopes. I mean, could they call somebody to, to say, "Hey, look, this person's here illegally. We want to report this." Could they do something like that, or is that what, what can what can we do as North Dakota? They have already made it a policy. Listen, I, I'm just telling you, you. I agree with everything they're saying, but the answer is the administration has made a policy that if you have not committed a prior violent crime, they are not going to arrest you. And if they're overloaded on pretrial, you can tell them that and they'll say, yeah, they're on their own recognizance and they have to show up at their court date. Like, that's the policy. That's an administrative policy. And we we continue. We have bills to reform border patrol. We had them last Congress. We have them this Congress. We, we They're real serious, significant ones that we're trying to do. We can't get a hearing on them as Republicans in the, in the, in the House. I served on the immigration subcommittee for two years. We know this is this was an issue. Listen, 
I, I think I told you this before. When I was down at the border, I asked how many of them are claiming asylum. Because in 2019, that was the big issue. Remember, it was asylum. And the answer I got was straightforward. None. They don't have to. That was the answer. It's just stunning to me when you think about the 10th Amendment and obviously a state's rights. And again, I, I get it. If we've got people coming here legally, I'm all for that. It's just the legal situation you're telling me that right now it sounds like we're handcuffed. There's really nothing we can do. And that is shameful if it's against the law. All right. Let's anything else you want to say, sir? Or do you want to move on to the next question? Well, no. And I think but I think it's important. I mean, this is so one of the things down at the border that even me as somebody who did this work for 10 years that I recognize is not linear. I mean, the border is linear, but the local law enforcement down in Texas that goes 200 miles north of the border is dealing with 85% of their time is being dealt with with illegal immigration, which means 85% of their time is not being spent in their communities. And that continues to move up and through, whether it's Texas, whether it's Arizona, all the way through. So we'll continue to put pressure on as many coordinated efforts as we can from the federal government. But th that's only part of it, because the other part of it is the uncoordinated side of it. What do you mean specifically? Well, once they're let go, they're let go. Yeah. Like they're yeah. let go. It's, it's called, they're no. repeating. It, in any case, when you are when you are given a court date and you are not detained prior to that court date, you're called. It's called released on your own recognizance. Now, if no. you're charged with a crime in North Dakota and you had no no tie to the community and you were a flight risk, a district court judge in North Dakota would say, "Hey, we're going to detain you prior to trial." But that's not happening at the border right now because they're just completely overwhelmed and they're not and they're not doing any of the things they need to do to stop the traffic from coming. And they're not. And we just want to make sure we get the nomenclature right tonight. It's catch and release. Catch and release. <laughs> and by the way, I, there's a lot of different issues and there's a lot of different uh, people down there. But bo the Border Patrol guys down there are as frustrated as anybody else is. They just they're not a housing facility. No, I know. You, you didn't get my Trump impression. Yeah. I was just having fun. Uh, all right. Cassie says this. What are you going to do to protect North Dakotans from these extreme overreaches into our medical rights regarding these vaccine passports? Private businesses have no right to mandate medical intervention or discriminate against those who choose not to participate. It's happened in other states. Will you stand against this in North Dakota? If so, how? Well, yeah, I mean, it's from that perspective. So there's two different sides, right? There's the government side, which I absolutely oppose in any way, shape or form. I mean, the government has no right to do these things. And then the, there's the private business side, which gets a little more problematic in that. I mean, you have a right to run your business however you want. Um, I think there's a lot of misinformation about that. But there are things that we absolutely should not be doing and continue to do and continue to push forward and make sure people have the right. I mean, I like I'm. I'm excited. The more people that get the vaccine, the more our country opens up, the better our economy does. But everybody has a right to their own private medical um, position on this. Um, all right. So the Michael Coachman says, why are we housing the illegals? I'm not sure we are. OK. Right. Like, um, then let's move on to this. Well, I'm assuming he means, you know, because obviously you saw what happened in San Diego where they they were paying for the hotels and things of that nature. So I presume that's what they were referring to or. Yeah. And I mean, they're doing that. I mean, when they're doing that and how they're doing that with, I mean, different states do different things. The federal government does different things. But I don't think the federal government is housing illegal aliens in North Dakota, or at least if they are, they haven't told us yet. And we've asked. OK, but there's a possibility that I mean, they're being housed somewhere. Are they just with family or. 
Yeah, a lot of times that's what they do, right? They say, hey, here's my family member, whether it is their family member or not, who the, I mean, who the heck knows? I mean, they know the laws as well as we do when they're coming across the border. It's obvious. Um, Cassie says, wow, no, you do not have the right to discriminate, sir. So Cassie, if you want to expand on that, I'm not really sure what she's referring. Do you know, Congressman? I don't. Okay. It's like, what? I mean, nobody has the right to discriminate. Unless, gosh, I, I'm not going to go there, but we talked about it last time with Secretary Vilsack's comments regarding uh, white farmers. Um, Cindy says this, do you support the January 6th commission to investigate the attack on the Capitol Police and Congress? Uh, I didn't. I voted against it. Uh, we There was obviously there are a lot of different committees that are looking at this stuff. But just to be honest, this is and this is really unfortunate, but I serve on one of these supposedly nonpartisan committees and you can look at everything from Speaker Pelosi's comments to, Sen or to Senator Schumer's comments to a drastic overestimation of an anonymous letter written on uh, Capitol Police letterhead that broke the last minute before this. And there, there, it was, there's just simply no real functional way this can happen at this point in time, the way they had it set up. So I want to get to this letter. Here's the letter for you people for that haven't seen it. I want to read some of this for our audience, Congressman, and then give you a chance to respond because some of it I thought was pretty stunning. These are people that are paid to protect you. And I'm going to quote here for our audience. It's inconceivable that some of the members we protect would downplay the events of January 6th because you didn't vote for it. Member safety was dependent upon the heroic actions of United States Capitol Police. It is a privileged assumption for members to have the point of view that it, quote unquote, wasn't that bad. That privilege exists because of the brave men and women of the USCP protected you, the members. And it goes on to say, sir, unfortunately, this letter comes to you anonymously because as U.S. Capitol Police officers, we are expected to remain neutral and do our jobs with honor and integrity. It's unfortunate that our, quote unquote, bosses, Congress, are not held to the same standard that we are. I mean, Congressman, I got to ask you, I read that. It's sort of a veiled threat, if you will. Do you still feel safe? hundred percent. I talk to these guys every single day. First of all, that's on Capitol Police letterhead. Uh, that was not, they immediately came out against it. Uh, unfortunately, the member circulating that has also been uh, a colleague of mine who has absolutely been in the defund the police mode for the last two years. Uh, dropping that at the last minute on letterhead when it shouldn't have been, if they were trying to get persuasion to people like me, it actually had the opposite effect because of how it was done and whatever it is. That being said, I want to be clear. 140 some officers got injured that day, two committed suicide, one died, and we're no farther along in figuring out how to do this because everybody is playing politics with it. And if anybody, and by the way, I've said this too, uh, and criticized colleagues on my side, if they, uh, we had a colleague say, listen, this was, if you look at the video, this was just like a normal tour. Uh, I was in the Capitol that day, uh, that is not what it was. Anybody who thinks that's what it was is comically misinformed to the point of being ridiculous. All right. Cindy says this. Officer Michael Fanone has spoken publicly saying he's very disappointed in Congress members downplaying the insurrection. Will you meet with this officer? Absolutely. OK, uh, let me ask you this then. How how do we. How do we not know who shot and killed Ashley Babbitt? We don't. I, I mean, this is how? part of all of this. I how? I because they haven't released anything yet. We have the House what Architect is? who has ten million dollars. We just appropriated ten million dollars. We just appropriated a billion dollars before we get across this thing uh, on figuring this out. That's my concern. Listen, we 
this you we're going to there're going to be a lot of leading up to that but there are also issues on failures at the at the leadership level that put a lot of our police officers in a lot of danger and in a really bad situation and those are the answers we need to continue to try to get down to so what i want to get at though is that we we have people that have been locked up or put in solitary confinement um indefinite detention if you will almost for some of these people that no that's not true it's not I, true. It's not indefinite detention. They have court dates. <laughs> okay. So I, I will tell you, this is something that frustrates me as somebody who has been involved in uh, in criminal justice reform for a very long time. This is a crime. Anybody who is charged with a crime I, like this, my biggest frustration is when it's like, like, these are normally good people who are committed with a crime. I'm glad people are starting to recognize how we deal with some of our pretrial programs ne maybe need some work. But I guess that's what I'm getting at. These people now, have been, some of them have been put in solitary confinement, allegedly, and yet we can't find out who shot Ashley Babbitt. I mean, she was unarmed. It just, it doesn't make any sense to the average Joe like myself. Yeah, it's, I mean, as we continue to move, listen, I mean, the, sar sergeant, the, the sergeant at arms for the Senate yesterday just said he wasn't going to a hearing um, and submitted a statement instead. We need to get all of these people in here and we need to figure out exactly how and when we're going to do this. Wow. All right. The investigation um, goes, that investigation has to occur not through Congress. I mean, we want to see it as too, as as part of our oversight, but that actually has to occur because somebody was killed and it needs to continue to move forward. I'm going to play this. This is uh, Representative Ryan, one of your colleagues on the House floor, talking about Republicans not voting for the January 6th commission. I want to thank the gentleman from New York and the other Republicans who are supporting this and thank them for their bipartisanship to the other 90% of our friends on the other side of the aisle. Holy cow. Incoherence. No idea what you're talking about. Ben Gaza, you guys chased the former Secretary of State all over the country, spent millions of dollars. We have people scaling the Capitol. So my computer apparently isn't fast enough to play all that. But I mean, he had some choice words for the GOP. I'm sure you've seen that clip. Oh, uh, absolutely. Well, I mean, first of all, let's remember how this started. We asked for a bipartisan commission. Four months later, it turns into something. It started coming something different and comes back into completely something else. Uh, the reason this the reason this thing wasn't formed right away didn't have to do with Republicans. It had to do with Speaker Pelosi. And now as we continue to move forward, we've got three Senate committees that have done it. We've heard, held oversight hearings. We've held judiciary hearings and we can't we just continue to move forward. Also, I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, Congressman Ryan's also running for a U.S. Senate position. So um, there was something I wanted to ask you about this, though, from the standpoint and and then when you brought up Congressman Ryan. So I'm going to ask you this instead, and we'll get back to that. Uh, Cindy says, hey, will you call for Matt Gates to resign from his position if the allegations of sex trafficking turn out to be true? Um, without saying too much, I am on the ethics committee, so I am. it's very difficult to, for me to weigh in on any of those things. So what can you tell us about these allegations? Uh, I can tell you what they are as their allegations, but I, Chris, legitimately, this is the one place there are. I am, I am a member of the ethics committee, which it, whatever happens with Matt Gates will end up in front of us first. Got it. Uh, so when you get that information, let us know. Now, the, I, there's uh, also even when I get that information, I can't let you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, there's also reports that there's like 14,000 hours that the Department of Justice has in regards to the capital insurrection that they're not releasing why not 1400 hours of what 
a video that they have. I guess well, depends where that's at on in, as far as in, in investigations moving forward. There's uh, a lot of those things that exist and move forward with that. And the, I mean, that's common as far as investigations are. Activate, typically, you don't get that information until a case is closed if it's been taken by DOJ or federal law enforcement. I want to have you clear this up because some people are suggesting that this January 6th commission was a way to sort of parlay a bill that you and I talked about a while back in regards to how they were going to frame domestic terrorists and really focus on, uh, quote unquote, white supremacists. And some people are saying, hey, this January 6th commission is a way to continue to perpetuate that conversation and paint Trump supporters in a negative light. Any veracity to that? Well, they use the language in the... Uh in the resolution, not in the actual clauses of it, but in the introduction to it. And I, and that's, I continue to have a concern about this. Listen, that was a terrible day. We should not forget it. We should not whitewash it. People who act, were participating in it should absolutely be held accountable. And that is true. But when we continue to talk about this in a way without having definitions of what it is, that means the definition gets made as you're moving forward. That's a terrible way to participate in anything and it will never follow through in a courtroom. And it's also a very bad way and unfortunately a very politicized way to uh, continue with it moving forward as well. Got it. Anything else you want to say about the January 6th situation commission? No, I mean, if the Senate fixes this thing and they get a remote and they get a serious timeline in place and we can do this in a way that actually finds out what happens and isn't worried about carrying into the next 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 year and you, you use it, utilizing it for political purposes, maybe we can figure some of this out. But hopefully we have uh, um, enough committees dealing with this right now to deal with it as well. All right. I want to get to the pipeline stuff, sir. I know we've got you for a limited amount of time, but again, this is your town hall. So Cindy also says... Kevin McCarthy abruptly ended a press conference when questioned about whether members of Congress uh, were in direct contact with insurrectionists. Do you know the answer to that question? I absolutely do not. Got it. Um, what happened to Trump should be illegal. They took his First Amendment away, the president of the United States. Nothing really there. Okay, so now this is a uh, tweet that you put out, which I, <laughs> I, I saw. Anyways, let me, let me share this. So Biden... As, as you see here, shuts down American pipelines, greens light the sanctions for the Nord Stream 2. You put out President Ball's pipelines for Putin, gas lines for Americans. Um, what are you going to do to put these sanctions back on? And why are we continuing to fund NATO if we're going to let Germany use Russia's energy to enrich Russia? Well, second, two, those are two different questions. Um, we're also working with NATO and our NATO allies with Russia on the Arctic mission which, and Arctic shipping, and which is going to continue to be more and more of an issue and is actually really important. And actually, North Dakota has a very important part to play in that, which I don't think people recognize as often. Can, and we have yeah, it's Congressman, I apologize. Can, can you say that one more time about the, about the Arctic situation? What's going the, on? The Arctic mission, and we're working with them right now, and actually... In, at the same time we greenlighted Nord Stream, we're starting to get some coordinated effort in putting pressure on Russia's um, advances in their posturing in the Arctic, in the Arctic, in the ocean, in the Arctic Ocean. Rare earth metals have to do with this, but North Dakota has a lot to has a lot to play with that. I mean, we have the easternmost uh, Air Force base on the northern on the northern border, but it's comically 
I, I don't even know. I mean, a lot of things have happened with pipelines this week outside of Dapple. Uh, one, they greenlit the pipeline or they greenlit the pipeline in Nord Stream after we had an executive order canceling Keystone XL right at the same time. Well, at least a group of Eastern Europeans hacked our colonial pipeline. And in the middle of this, we had uh, Secretary uh, Granholm testified energy and commerce that pipelines are essential infrastructure, while Gina McCarthy and her group put out, another group by the White House put out an entire statement saying we shouldn't invest in any pipelines ever again. So it's the Biden administration's all over the map here, and it's not good for the United States. It, it's horrendous. And so I want to go back to what are we going to do about NATO? I mean, if we're going to sit here and say hey, we've got to protect Germany from Russia, and yet we're going to enrich Russia and then allow them to... Uh, give energy to Germany, are we going to do anything to, to stop spending so much money on NATO or no? Well, Senator, Senator Kramer is actually introducing a bill on the sanctions again. You know, Senator Cruz has been really, actually, Senator Cruz has been on this as long as I've been there and he's uh, been investigative. We need to continue to deal with those issues. Um, I, I, quite frankly, have not figured out why <laughs> Germany is so interested in getting their... Uh, all of their energy from somebody who is absolutely ready to strategically cause them problems. But we're going to continue to do whatever we can there. Shocking. You brought up the Colonial Pipeline, sir. I want to get your take on the fact that the company did uh, spend, give $4.4 million for the ransom. Do you agree with that move? You know, they're making those decisions however they make them. I haven't talked about, I haven't talk to them about why they did or they didn't. I don't know if that was legitimately the only chance they had of reopening this. And we're going to have to continue to have these conversations um, about our infrastructure because this is, it's not, we, this was obviously a very significant one. It was uh, anybody on the East coast knew this, but they have tried to hack dams. They've had to try to hack utility companies. We have to continue to get serious and better at cybersecurity. With that being said, gosh, there's so much I want to share with you about this. Um, first off, do you know who did the cyber attack? Uh, no, only what we only what we all know from the unclassified briefings. Which is what specifically? What's the name of the I I, I don't the have dark side. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do, you, do you believe that Russia was involved or any sort of state actor was involved with this? Um, I we don't know that yet. I don't know. Okay. Um. Former speaker that way, I guess this, Kelsey Warren said, hey, when he was at the uh, Williston Basin Petroleum Conference, said, yeah, we've seen similar cyber attacks as well, but we we were able to sort of fend them off. What what does energy transfer partners have that maybe Colonial doesn't or why? Oh, I, I don't think I don't think that's exactly how it works. And I'm by no means a cyber expert, but um, we've seen them. They've tried it on our dams. They've tried it on our utility companies. Um, we've, they've tried a lot of those different things. And I, I mean, the technology is always advancing. The, the technologies of the guys defending it is always advancing. The technology of the people hacking is always advancing. All right. I've got to wrap this up fairly soon. So there's two more things here. I want to get to one other question, but also former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich said, hey, if this was a state actor that did the cyber attack on the colonial pipeline, we should treat it as an act of war. 100%. Absolutely. Wow. That, it, 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 but we need, listen, this is, I, I mean, this is uh, exactly how this works and do, do this. And this is where a lot of the new warfare is. Just imagine if they shut down an entire 
uh, utility grid in the East Coast uh, in the middle of winter. We have to treat these things as seriously as they are because it's a center. I mean, this is part of the new national security moving into the 21st century. So let us know if you end up talking to the CEO about the ransom pay, because I think that's the one thing people are concerned about is not that they paid the ransom. Are they actually going to entice more people to try some of these attacks? I think a lot of these ransoms get paid without anybody ever knowing about them. That's uh, some of the information we've got, maybe not at this at much of a level, but um, I mean, <laughs> how, how dealing with it and how it moves forward. I, I, yeah, I don't think paying a rant. I don't think a paying a ransom is the best way to incentivize th this from not happening again. Right. That's what I. So one other question I want to get to or a comment I saw here. Police got the order to stand down on the 6th. A video breakdown about Babbitt tells a whole new story. If she climbed through a high window and was shot while in the window and cop's gun was straight out, he would have shot her stomach, not neck. Maybe this is why nothing has been done. It was all. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know if you want to comment on that. I don't know if you have, do you have any information on that, sir. Yeah, the police were not offered ordered to stand down on the 6th. That's just not true. Yeah, I mean, I've seen weapons in other places as well. So, well, you saw uh, weapons on the floor of the U.S. House when I was in the balcony. Yeah, from officers, correct? From from the Capitol yes. Police. Yes. All right. Here's, it is very amazing. More people weren't killed that day in a lot of different ways. Tell me more. Why? Because it was. I mean, it, it, there was absolute violence, and it was going on. And I mean, that's exactly what was going on. I mean, the, the, the police officers that were there working and on the ground were overwhelmed. Um, so who's going to be held responsible for all this? Well, the people who did it are and have been arrested are going to be held responsible. But that's what we have to figure out. outside. I mean, all of it. We need to know all of it. But particularly what we knew, whether I mean, obviously, we were nobody was prepared for what happened. And we need to continue to find out because the guys who shouldn't be held responsible are the 150 cops who were injured and the two who committed suicide and the other one who died. All right. We got to wrap it up here, sir. One last question. This is one of many cyber attacks from Russia being presumed here. Should Russia be sanctioned for harboring cyber criminals and not weeding them out? Yeah, I mean, cyber. We, we, there's a lot more that goes on in the cyberspace, I think, behind the scenes than most anybody knows. But I mean, the biggest issue is um, um, how, they, how they deal with whether or not it was a state actor or a group of criminals. Give you the final words or anything else you want to add or share? No, well, I hope everybody has a good weekend. And I'm uh, after two weeks straight in DC, it's good to be home. I bet it is. Thank you so much for doing this, Congressman. I, I just love the fact that now we've got all kinds of comments coming in. You get a chance to uh, connect your constituents. So keep up the great work. We appreciate it. We'll do this again soon, okay? You bet. All right. Thank you very much. We'll play some of this tonight on Point of View, so be sure and join us for that. <laughs> there we go.